But so you're, you're sipping your water now. You're being good. You're being good. You're behaving. Yeah, for now. It's because you're <laughs> here. Because I'm like, oh, I should drink my water. Ashley's probably drinking her water. That's right. <laughs> so my thing is, my thing is, is that I'll, I'll push my, like, I'll get so, uh, I don't even want to use the excuse that I'm busy. I'm always sitting at my desk. I just mm-hmm. don't feel like reaching my hand over and getting my water bottle. You need a silly straw. Get a maybe, silly straw. Maybe that will be more motivating for me. I feel like yeah. it's just like having the habit of it. I don't know. I was so good at it for like two years. And now I'm like, I hate, like, I hate uh, having to get up and like go to the restroom. And like, I've just been really bad at it the last couple of weeks. It's been yeah. like, like, I'll get a good amount. I'll get like my bare minimum, but it's not like it used to be. So I yeah. feel like I'm doing badly, but I'm really not doing badly. I'm still getting like a gallon in, but I'm not getting like a gallon and a half in. Yeah. Either <laughs> get a silly straw or just think every time you get like, you need to get like, I have a hydro drug or just get like a really big ass jug and think like you do bicep curls every time you're sipping. So you're like getting gains. When you're drinking. Oh, so I find that with larger containers, I'm even more, I'm even less motivated because it's like, I have to pick it up and like, and it's huge. So I, that's why I have these little water bottles. Like it's even better when I have like little, little baby ones, I can drink those. Like, like I, cause I, cause I feel accomplished when it's done. Yeah. Like when it's done, I'm like, wow, it's over. And I throw it away. And it's like, I can easily, like, I easily know how much I'm drinking, that's but fair. like, I you. but when I do a big jug, I'm like, God, that's a lot. Like, I'm like looking at it and I'm like, God, that's a lot of water. So that's so funny. I'm no, I don't even itch. think about it. It's just habits. It's like, I'm sipping between meals and shit and I'm good. Plus I also have my LaCroix and I count my, my LaCroix cause like, it's just water, like and carbonation. So I don't know. What's I like my fizzy water too. What's a LaCroix? Oh, oh those, those, oh, those are nasty. Oh no, God. I don't do like a pample mousse or whatever the fuck it's called. No, there's limoncello right now as a summer flavor and it tastes good. Like, I don't know what limoncello is. I think it's like a drink, like an alcoholic beverage or something, but like this shit tastes like, like a good version of like lemon pledge. Like, you know, how lemon pledge smells like lemon. Like this is like lemon fucking water. It's delicious. Well, good luck with that. I have like some, you know, those Mio things. Those oh Mio yeah. Things. I used to get, I used to, used to do Mio's when I was like on the struggle bus. Yeah. I feel like when I don't have flavor now, I'm like, eh. like, That's so <laughs> okay. Well, thanks to everyone for coming today and uh, listening to us talk. Um, today we're going to be talking, we're going to be addressing a uh, Nita week. Mm-hmm. and what need a week is and i don't know if any of you have know what need a week is um but it's, it's a very special week very near and dear especially to ashley mm-hmm. um for several reasons and i'll let her go ahead and elaborate um but basically we'll want to recognize like those that have lived with eating disorders or do currently live with eating disorders um and you know nita is a great way to you know if you know you need help with that is to find resources um, and then also to honor like people that are going through that and have previously gone through that, um, being in bodybuilding, you'll often find, uh, people with pre, pre that who have previously had eating disorders or are currently dealing with that, even through bodybuilding, um, who felt like bodybuilding kind of saved them. Um, and, but, and be, it's because of the intention of like what bodybuilding does for your body and therefore like what they can actually do and see themselves 
doing and, and reaching their goals um, through the act of bodybuilding. So I frequently hear that all the time, like all the time. Um, and then also, you know, people that are working through their eating disorders through the act of bodybuilding um, and who are trying to grow personally, like and trying to grow emotionally and mentally by competing in bodybuilding, um, whether that be through their off season or even in prep. Um, it's, it, it's so cool to see that happen. Now for myself, like, I don't really think, I think there was a time where I dealt with an eating disorder. Um, you're always in sort of like a, in, in bodybuilding, you're always in sort of a structured eating disorder. Yeah, um, yeah. that's what you can call it if you want. Um, but I, I don't know, like I've heard it be called that, but I don't know if I agree now. I personally, um, I disagree. And yeah. I don't know. I disagree because eating disorders is a mentality. Disease. Right. Right. And so I do think that in my earlier years in bodybuilding, I did, I did, you know, have to work through some of that, but now I'm like, like, I don't freak out if I have something off plan. Um, I don't overthink my food anymore. I, I do, I make sure I'm having like memories with people and that matters to me a lot more. I'm not overly food focused where I used to like stay in my house all day and just track my macros and weigh my food and think about the things I, I wanted to eat and plan out my food for two weeks at a time. And it was, that is very structured. That is an, that, and I was in prep, you know, I was, I was having an off season, you know, as a bikini girl, but I was so limited on what I could do in my life and what I would allow myself to do that, um, it affected myself and then others personally. So like others that were around me personally. And so when you find that it starts bleeding into like, you know, what you have going um, relationships wise with your friends and, you know, others, then you might want to start thinking, at least that's how it was for me. I started thinking, okay, how can I make this better? How can I, how can I get out of this? Because I felt like I was becoming trapped and I didn't want that for myself. And so what did I do? I took an extended off season instead. And I did not focus on the way that like my body was looking and I still don't. Um, and the more that I do it, I do find myself falling back into those behaviors, but I know how to manage it now. Like I totally know, like I can totally tell when I'm, uh, being too restrictive or, or not allowing my minds, like in my mentality to change. Um, and so, yeah, I don't have like a huge story the way that Ashley does because Ashley, um, was living with, you know, some prior issues prior to getting into her, her form of bodybuilding now, because I think that when you've started, you still exhibited some of that. Um, and it changed and it's cool because it like changes over time. Um, it it can change over time, especially as you mature as an athlete. Um, so we're going to give the floor to Ashley for her to talk a little bit about her journey and, uh, how she, how she got through it and what she's experienced and why this week is special to her. Yeah. Well, thank you for that nice little intro there, but yeah, need a week is really, it's, it's difficult, but it's also rewarding because like, it makes me sad knowing that there are a lot of, um, young women, young men, older women, older men that struggle with disordered eating patterns. And it's, it's sad because it reminds me of what I went through, but it also reminds me that I have been able to go into recovery and I know that it's possible for others out there too. So that's kind of how it gives me hope. But my, you know, journey, I guess, really started when I was, you know, a, a kid, like I had a lot of trauma from childhood, like 
didn't have a great relationship with my dad. Like mom was super sick as a kid. And even like growing up, she was just always sick. And so for a kid, especially when your parents get divorced, like mine did, you have all of these thoughts, emotions, and you don't really know what to do. You don't know how to cope with that shit. So food was kind of my coping mechanism. Um, it's just like where I turned to a lot of secret eating, a lot of like, you know, eating unhealthy foods. And also like my family wasn't super knowledgeable not about nutrition anyway. So we did have a lot of processed foods, frozen foods, stuff like that. And I was just always like a fat kid. You know, my grandparents would call me big boned or whatever to make it, you know, made like the, the harsh and the, the realities of, you know, childhood obesity. But I did secret eat a lot because I just had a lot of trauma and I just didn't know how to healthily deal with it. Um, you know, when I was 16, I was being verbally and sexually abused by, you know, my quote unquote boyfriend at the time. And when I finally was able to kind of escape and get out of that relationship, I was essentially beaten down to a pulp mentally that I was useless and stupid and worthless. And I just felt nothing. Like I just felt like the color gray, just not white, not black, just gray, just like gray static. It's just the best way I can describe how I felt. And I was like, well, this is the time to focus on me now, I guess. But what does that mean? What does that look like? And so, you know, mind you back when I was 16, 17 years old, like we didn't have Snapchat, like we have it today. Like Snapchat was just getting started where like you could snap your friends for like less than 10 seconds. There was no Snapchat stories. There was none of this bullshit. You had like magazines and Tumblr. So that was kind of like where all you had. And so I was like, you know, doing magazine stuff. And I was like, oh, well, what's, what, what's like, what, what, are, what makes people happy? And of course at this time, I think Beyonce was doing Queen B. Um, bless you. Queen Bee was doing the maple syrup and Kanye, or I always say Kanye, the cayenne pepper diet, where essentially like all you eat or drink all day is just like a gallon of water that has maple syrup, lemon juice, and pepper. And that's just like, that was like, what, that was your nourishment for the day. You know, there was the cabbage soup diet, slim fast. So like anything that a 16 year old could reasonably get her hands on that didn't require a credit card or adult's permission. I have been there, done that, lived that. And obviously that yo-yo dieting, it was like lose 20 pounds, gain 15, lose 15 pounds, gain 20. And it wasn't until I downloaded my fitness pal and tried to bring a level of awareness to my food, did it kind of start to make sense. And I was starting to experience some success and weight loss. And, you know, mind you, by the time I was 16 years old, my weight had skyrocketed up to 250 pounds. And for reference, I'm five foot seven. Now, granted, I didn't necessarily look obese. I, I always got the compliment, compliment, mind you, that I carried my weight well, which imagine that being a compliment to someone like, yeah, you're fat, but you carry it well, like fucking thank you. Um, but, you know, so I was, you know, obese at that, like that is like obese, just what it is. And, you know, started to lose some weight when I was tracking with my fitness pal. I didn't use a food scale, but I was using measuring cups. I know that's a big sin. But again, I was 16 years old. So like, I just didn't know. Well, I I mean, like that's most 16 year olds aren't even tracking their food. Right. So like, (laughs) no, I feel you. I did buy a a great job. Yeah, I did buy a food scale. I just wasn't like really good at using it. Cause again, like I was still trying to figure this whole thing out. Um, Did a lot of reading on like some fitness websites and shit like that, where it was like, oh, track your macros and, you know, 30, 40, 
30 split when it came to like your macros or whatever. So I was like kind of getting into that a little bit, but again, still not really sure how to piece the puzzle, like um, piece it all together. But I knew that if I ate less, I lost weight. And activity wasn't a problem with me because I was always active in sports and I loved playing outside, riding my bike, shit like that. It was just the diet part that just fucking was my Achilles heel. But when I ate less, I lost weight and that was working. So I was like, oh, calories in, calories out, you know, like Seco, like total makes total sense. Well, you know, I lost my first 50 pounds and kept it off. And I was like, fuck yeah, started getting compliments. You know, I, you know, I always had these, these girlfriends in my, you know, in my uh, friend group that were just tiny, 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 tiny. Like they were shorter, but they were also just tiny, skinny. And like one day they were like, Hey, you're looking skinny. And fuck me. As soon as they said that it was like fireworks went off, like for the Jaluau, just amazing. And I was like, I have to keep going. And when, when you start getting compliments, it just adds fuel to the fire. And oh, then, yeah. yeah. And then you 50 can't, pounds. it's like, <laughs> you can't even, I remember, um, when I first started getting into bodybuilding, um, and I started like, cause I've always had like, you know, this is, this is the thing about me is that I've never been overweight. I've always yeah. been relatively like very sporty and very fit. Um, but you know, like at a certain level of body fat, like you don't see your muscles. Like, right. so, you know, I, I had muscle, I just didn't see it. So when I started like getting compliments about like, well, I can see like your, your, the form of you, that your forms, of your like muscles, you look like your yeah. mom, that was my thing. It was like, I look like my mom. Oh, like, like and so her. I was like, oh, I, I can't stop. Like now I just want to be like this forever. Yeah. Um, and people get really like, really, uh, I don't even know the word. Like they get really excited over it, getting the attention for their body. Like, um, there was a, a, a old client that I knew and he was, he had told me that he had started getting uh, compliments from people and he wanted to like cut more and start cutting his food more because of these compliments. Um, mm-hmm. and he was like, I don't even know if it's a good thing because now that I'm getting attention for this, I'm wanting to go past like what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so, a lot of it, like, especially when you start spiraling in is because you want to keep going because you feel like almost like this, this high kind of being like ticked a little bit when people tell you that you look awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's totally, that's totally a thing. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that, you know, 50 pounds turned into 75 pounds, which turned into a hundred pounds, which unfortunately, and yes, I say the word, unfortunately turned into 125 pounds. Not that I'm not proud of my weight loss, Um, because I am, but I'm saddened by how it happened because in the course of a year, I had lost 125 pounds. That's a fuck ton of weight. Were you hungry? Like, were you like, were you, when I was at the tail end of my anorexia, like there's a little bit more that goes into it. Right. Because remember I mentioned Tumblr. Well, when you get, when I got past losing about 75 pounds, that's when it started to get really difficult because of obviously the metabolic adaptation that was occurring where I was at to the point where I was like less than a thousand calories a day. And this is where the food fear set in. And so I would spend hours on pro anorexia, like hashtags. I don't remember how fucking Tumblr works anymore, but essentially there were these like pro Anna, like, like places where like girls would go and ask, like, how do you stop yourself from being hungry? How do you keep yourself 
um, feeling full, like what's your motivation? What workouts are you guys doing today? And I have a file folder saved of just all of these girls were like, they are just fucking rails. I mean, just skin and bone where you could like almost play like the xylophone on their fucking ribs. And I was like, I want that. I need that. Like I have to have that. So like whenever I would think about food, I'd wear these really tight hair bands and I'd pull them as far as like the elastic would allow and would slap my, you know, my wrist, or I would have a dull pocket knife and like press it against my wrist, not to cut myself and bleed because obviously that would draw attention, but to just hurt myself enough where it's like, if I thought about food, it was no. So I was trying to condition myself like a dog that like, whenever I thought about food, I would experience pain. So I'd stop thinking about being hungry. Um, it was a very toxic thing on top of like working out excessively, because obviously again, like you have to do more cardio or lift more weights or like, you know, a typical bedroom size, it would be very, very common for me to walk in my bedroom, just pace back and forth mm-hmm. three hours a day, just fucking walking. And I didn't have a Fitbit at the time, so I have no idea how many steps that was, but I mean, you can imagine that even pacing like, you know, a 150 feet foot bedroom, like it, you're, you're going to be racking up some miles there. No, I've, I've gotten the rest of my steps for like on a cold night pacing back and forth. And I did it in about yeah, 20, 30 minutes. So yeah. like you can, you can definitely pace or walk around in circles in your house. It's boring as hell, but like you can do it and you can get your steps in or you get your expenditure in people that exactly. fidget, people that fidget a lot, um, lose weight a lot faster than people that are generally still. Yeah. I did that too. Um, so, I fidgeted. So yeah. So people, uh, for those of you that don't know, like if you are like somebody that cuts pretty easily, you might, you might not have a crazy metabolism. You might just be a fidgeter like, mm-hmm. um, and you don't know it. So people that move, like they don't know that they're doing it. Obviously you are consciously doing it, but people that move a lot, like they, they really don't understand and realize like how much that plays a role in their like weight loss strategies and things like that. A hundred percent, which those were like the strategies to kind of help break plateaus. But it wasn't until really my high like my senior year where we started to do grad parties and shit. That was kind of like after about a year and a half of like hardcore anorexia dieting, like my, I just snapped. My brain was like overwhelmed with stress. Cause mind you at this time, like I was working a part-time job. My mom like progressively got worse. So I was going to school full-time working a part-time job, taking care of her, feeding her, cleaning the house, making dinners being active in school, being active in sports. So like I had a lot for a fucking 17 year old an mm-hmm. 18 year old. Like it was just a lot to handle and a lot of stress and because I've, I was experiencing that stress. Well, what was my MO when I was a kid? It was binge eating. Well, now I made this persona of, Oh, Ashley's the thick girl. Like you can kind of see her muscles. Like she has a personal trainer. She works out. She's fit. She's healthy. And now I'm fucking binging on five boxes of cereal, chicken tenders, like peanut butter crackers, peanut butter pretzels, fruit, candy, whatever, 10 to 15,000 calories a night on a very uncontrolled binge. Well, I can't allow myself to get fat. Like what would people think of me? I lost all this weight. Now I gained it all back. And that's when the cyclical, like binge eating with exercise compensation started where, you know, I'd be running 20 to 30 miles a week, biking 40 to 50, uh, weight training sometimes twice a week. Um, once with my trainer, once on my own, you know, walking, however many miles walking to the store, walking in my room. And again, like I would get high off my polar watch telling me that I burned like 
1500 calories on a bike ride. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, because I was still so calorie obsessed and I wanted to, you know, punish myself and try to work off a binge, you know, the night before I might go three or four days without a binge. And then you would feel that, like, I call it the ghrelin monster where like you had to fucking eat, like you had to eat and you had to eat it all. And like, you know, I kind of balanced between salty and sweet. So therefore you wouldn't get that flavor fatigue just so you could eat more because your body was like, I need food. And it was awful. You did not feel like yourself. Like mentally, I felt like a shell of a human. Like I would be awful and angry toward my mom. Cause I didn't understand what the fuck was happening to myself. I was in a lot of pain. I was scared. And eventually like after one horrible binge, I was having heart palpitations because like I had eaten so much that like, I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And so like, I shit, you know, I prayed. I was like, God, if I wake up the next day, I will get help. And thank God I woke up the next day and I told my mom, I was like, mom, I don't know what's happening, but I need help. And so we paid to go to therapy. And unfortunately the therapist was not the therapist for me. She was not what I needed, but she did help me to kind of think about my traumas and how that was infecting, um, impacting my relationship with myself and how I needed to kind of do some, some hard labor mentally and think about my traumas and heal from them to essentially get over the eating disorder. And, you know, I essentially got my mom as an accountability buddy. Cause I was still living at home my first year of college since I was going to community college. And I was like, mom, I needed an accountability partner. Like, I'm sorry if I get mean and cruel and aggressive, it's not me. Like, it's not me at all. Um, it's this other person that like is making me, and I, you know, I definitely shifted the blame. Like I should have taken accountability for my actions, but when you are suffering from a binge eating disorder and you are having these binge triggers, you literally do not feel like yourself. So I kind of explained to her what was going on. And so whenever she sensed that I was about to binge, like she would just be like, Hey, are you okay? Like, do you want to talk? Like she just fucking cared. She just asked me if I was okay. And like, just knowing that my mom gave a damn about me and was like kind of in this with me, that honestly helped the healing process. And so accountability is huge. And so, you know, three days without binging turned into a week, which turned into two weeks, which turned into a full month. And eventually, you know, you start like, yeah, you gain some weight back. Cause I really tried to pull back on the exercise too, because I knew that wasn't helping. And so I probably gained like 25 pounds back. And, you know, the thing is though, I said, I felt better. Mm-hmm. It's like, I wasn't so food focused. Like I was like my persona at school and at college, like wasn't really changed. Like I was still kind of the fitness girl. Um, but then when I went away to college, thankfully the binge eating disorder didn't come back. And that was definitely, I would say my least favorite, which sounds super shitty to say, but like the binge eating disorder for me was the hardest to kind of grasp and deal with. But when I went off to college, I kind of developed more orthorexia, which is very similar to anorexia, but now you have like your safe foods, like foods that you deem that are healthy and safe that you can only eat. And so this is when I would balance my orthorexia with binge drinking because you're in college. And of course it's cool to drink. Um, so I was like, I would eat only these safe foods that would make me feel better. Like it couldn't be a cookie it had to be a protein cookie. It couldn't be powdered peanut butter or it couldn't be like full fat peanut butter. It had to be PB2, you know? So you kind of like make these like food shift compromises with yourself to balance out the drinking. Like that was my rationale. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) as silly as that is thinking about it now, but essentially, you know, after I decided that like enough was enough, like, cause I was at that time going to school for exercise physiology and nutrition. I was like, 
I'm a fucking fraud. I'm the same fraud I was in high school. Like looking the part of being a fitness person, but like mentally, emotionally, and like even just what I was doing to my body with punishment of food and exercise, like that's not fucking fitness. That's fraudulent. And that's when I like stopped drinking because I realized I didn't look good and I didn't feel good. And I didn't like who I was. I was this people pleaser being spread so thin because I wanted people to like me, but I fucking hated myself. And that was the realization that I had that I was like, you got to stop this. And that's actually a big reason why as silly as it might seem to someone that I don't like to go by Ashley. I like Ash because Ashley was this people pleasing person that hated who she was that just wanted people to so desperately like her that she had no personality. Her personality was a mirror. It was whatever I thought people wanted me to be. But Ash, like who I am on Instagram and who I am with my friends, like I am authentically me and it is so freeing. And I probably wouldn't have developed this like self-identity if I didn't go through all of those unfortunate, you know, eating disorder periods in my life, but they have made me stronger and they have made me more empathetic and relatable as a coach. But, you know, without like those adversities, without those like experiences, I definitely wouldn't be the person that I am today. So with that in mind, like I am grateful for going through them because like I said, they have made me strong and the, you know, traits that I had during the eating disorders, like they weren't bad traits, like, you know, being, diligent and doing something, being a hard worker, like all of these traits that I had developed kind of just as a type A person, like they're not bad traits. It's mentally how you use those traits. And for me, it was pain and suffering out of self-hatred, but now as a bodybuilder, it's out of self-love and self-appreciation for what my body can do. But that's why it just boils down to your mentality. What's the reason behind what, what it is that you're doing. And that's like, really what I want to draw the point to is mentality is everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And then like when you started getting into bodybuilding, like, you know, how did that change for you? Um, Obviously, the way you went about bodybuilding when you first started is going to be very different than how you go about it now. Um, But how was that like process of realizing you needed to gain muscle in order to gain muscle, you needed to do X, Y, and Z and and not what you were doing previously? Uh, How was that? Yeah, good question. So with my first coach, I don't, I wouldn't call it an eating disorder, but I was definitely one. I was definitely that macros bitch, which I think is a little bit disordered though, because like, yeah, you sometimes macro hoard, or you try to fit all these snickety snacks in, and you're like doing a little bit of compromising on your actual new, when I say nutrition, I mean like the core, like fruits, veggies, lean proteins, like the food that actually has, you know, fucking nutritional quality. But like, I feel like that was a little bit disordered because I didn't understand or, nor appreciate bodybuilding. I would, I just kind of wanted to be skinny again. Right. Like I just wanted to like have, you know, glutes and, a, and capped delts or whatever. And I just didn't really understand really what bodybuilding was yet. I just thought it was just about like the tan, the makeup, the suit and shit like that. But when I switched to Mark and then I will never forget this check-in. When Mark asked me one check-in in December, he was like, what do you think about figure? And as soon as he fucking said that, it was like a light switch had flipped off, like just, just from off to full fucking blast. I stopped giving a shit about what I looked like because I knew damn well that I had no business competing in figure until I put on some size. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we entered into a growth phase. I got up to like 156. 
mm-hmm. which, you know, between 140 and 156, I feel like is my body's like happy point. But like, I was definitely like thick. Like I definitely had some pudge on me, but I didn't care. Like I just threw away the clothes. I sold my clothes that were like smalls, extra smalls, even mediums. I bought larges from better bodies. Like I went from, um, bombshell, which is like really a really cute quality clothing store that I, in my opinion, fits bikini girls better to better bodies where like, if you have fucking lats, you can like your lats will breathe. Mm-hmm. So I changed up my wardrobe. I wore dark, dark hoodies and I fucking went to work yeah. and I just, I haven't looked back and like, yeah, sometimes every once in a while, if the scale goes up after a free meal, it's like, Oh shit, I'm gaining weight too quickly. But then I'm like, no, I'm not. Yeah. Like sit your ass down, like calm down. It's fine. So So, it it was just a night and day difference. I will say, um, this is why, this is why division choice matters. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and where your mentality and what you've been through matters. Um, because I was in bikini and I was, you know, national level, like going to the USA's type of thing. And I had a lot of disordered eating patterns. Um, I was always constantly moody. I mean, like, and it's not even like, even when I was well-nourished in my like higher calorie times, I wouldn't even call them off seasons because that's not, that's really not what I did in bikini. Right. Um, but I was still so neurotic, like about gaining too much weight because I was supposed to stay small. Like I was supposed to like be a smaller person so that I could not put on too much body fat because I really didn't want to grow my upper body. I only wanted to grow my lower body. Um, and so I was so, um, I was so restricted in my mindset because of it. And I was fearful of food. I mean, so fearful, um, so fearful. I was going to eat too much. I would get scared with, if I had like a free meal and my stomach got distended. Um, and now almost, well, it's always descended and, um, like, but the, the, all just aside, like when I decided when Mark and I talked about figure, I really stopped thinking about, uh, and I stopped caring about being low body fat because I knew there was no way that I was going to stay that I was going to be able to stay that small and be competitive in figure. So I stopped thinking about that. And so now like I was even, I was even in a dressing room a couple of days ago and I'm not like the, I'm getting leaner because I'm in a, in a health phase or a holding phase right now. But however, like I I saw myself and I was like, Hey, I kind of like, I kind of, I'm a little chunky right now. Like, but I was like, nah, you know, like, like okay, like I'm going to go get this large now. Um, no, I'm going to go get that medium, but like, I, I am okay. And, and accepting of like the fact that my previous clothes don't fit anymore. Um, I'm, I'm starting to like be accepting of the fact that like, I might, this is my body now. Um, and even when I go into a prep, if I go into a prep, it's, I'm not going to look the way that I was in bikini. I'm going to look very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can't expect the same feelings. Like I can't expect the same, like, like, uh, very just kind of na- the nasty, I call it the nasty looking lean, uh, yeah. where it's like, you look like skin and bones. Um, and that's what happened. That's what happens. I mean, it's the reality of things. It's, it's how it, especially when you're an MPC and you're an amateur, you don't, you're not going to look, especially in bikini. I know girls like look at those girls on the Olympia stage and they're all full and they look, they look sexy. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like when you're in it, it, MPC and you, you don't look sexy yet, 
You look very mm-hmm. tiny. Um, you look like a little girl and it is what it is. Um, and so I knew, I know that when I do go into like a prep and I do, you know, see myself again, it's going to be very different. Um, but I like that you mentioned, you know, your transition and your mindset, like when you were like, oh, I have to grow to be competitive. It really changes things for you. Like, even if, even if I wanted to do like, you know, if I wanted to do wellness or something, um, it would still be the same thing. It's like, you still got to grow. Like you still, even it's a different area of growing, but you still have to grow that part of your body. So even though it would be similar posing and things like that, and it's more like, I guess, like you want to call it more feminine, even though I don't, I think they're all, I think if you're in heels, you're pretty feminine, um, in my opinion, but like, if you wanted to go that route, like any division where you have to grow, um, you have to be out of the mindset of like cutting your food and not eating enough and things like that. Like in the off season now, I'm worried about making sure that I've had enough, even if I've overate. I'm like, yep, I overate, but it's better than me not eating enough. Like, yeah. So that's a, that is something to really keep in mind is in, in your choice of division and the way your body works and what you like to do. So, yeah. 100%. I do want to touch on something just because I am in recovery. It doesn't mean that I still don't have like past traumas come up where it's like, I want to revert back to old tendencies. Like, you know, something I talked about on Sarah's podcast that I was on last night, I talked about like how my, I have free meals on Saturday and you know, I'll go train it's back and hamstrings and I will get sushi and I'll eat four rolls. And I track it just to make sure that like, I know how to, you know, dose my insulin properly. Um, so I don't like <laughs> just, you know, leave my high, might have a really high postprandial blood glucose. Cause that's not fun either. But, uh, you know, because I'm tracking it, I'm looking at like all the extra calories that I'm eating. And so sometimes there's that part of me that's like, well, maybe take a little bit away from your next meal. Maybe take a little bit away from the meal, like meals three through, through five and don't eat that much. But then it's like that to completely defeats the purpose behind the idea of a free meal. Because, you know, if I had to guess Mark's free meal for me, yeah, some psychological, um, you know, cause who doesn't like to eat a free meal and have like a dinner out with their spouse or some shit like that. But for me, it's probably much more physiological just to have a source of extra nutrition, but only on one day. So we're only like hyper feeding really one day. So therefore my blood glucose across the week is not super high, like kind of like it was in our last off season phase. But you know, for me, if I'm restricting the other meals, it's totally defeating the purpose. So I have to have a conversation with myself where it's like, listen, like you need to be, you need this to grow. Like it's like, there's just no other way around it. Like you're not going to grow if you don't have your nutrition. And like, sometimes it takes me like creeping on Sid, like Sid's IG to like, see her muscle to be like, Hey, Sid had, Sid had off seasons. She has off seasons. Like she's not looking like shreddy, shreddy, freddy year round, but like do this to get to the level that you want to be. And so like when I have that heart to heart with myself or I fucking check my phone background, cause my phone background is this like picture that Mark posted two years ago, almost where it's like, I'll never understand or relate to people that say they want to win, but doesn't like, don't do what needs to be done or something like that. And it's like, fuck, like he, right. He, right. Mark lives rent free in my head, but it was just <laughs> like that mentality is like really important to understand that like you're still going to have days where you have like that little creeper that's like telling you shouldn't be doing something like it's normal to have that it doesn't mean that you're regressing it doesn't mean that like you haven't like 
made significant impact in your recovery. It's just like, it's still always probably going to be there and that's okay. It's whether or not you choose to listen to it and feed into it. That makes the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like even from getting a better for myself, getting a better handle on like my relationship with food has, has increased my ability to have social relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, because there was a time, like, I remember telling Tony, like, you would not have liked me. Like when I first started this, like, Mm -hmm. I know I was really intense and I'm still intense, but like in a different way. Um, and I was like, you would not have liked me because all the things we do now together would not be happening. Like it was the gym and home and only whatever I can eat and track and only whatever's available to me with a scale. And I would, if I did went to a restaurant, I would have a scale like, Mm -hmm. and I would like eat half the food or I would like track it and only eat half the food. Um, but I would track it as a whole meal. Um, and I knew like, even I I knew it wasn't enough, but I was just so afraid like that I would do things like that. Um, I told them, I said, when we like, if we, we like to go to the beach, if we go to the beach, it, it was okay. After an hour, let's go home. Like it was a two hour drive to go back home so I could eat the food that I want to eat. Um, and so the fact that I don't have that barrier anymore, um, and I know how to sort of manage myself. Like if I know that I'm very particular about meal timing on my training days, then the days for fun are on rest days, like where I'm not as particular. I might, I'm, and I can take easily take protein to keep it spaced out and all that, but I'm not going to be as particular about meal timing on rest days because I have nothing to time for. Um, and so just small little tweaks. So that gives me three days out of the week to do what the fuck ever, if I want. Like not eat what the fuck ever, but do what the fuck ever. Like if I want to go to universal, I can do that. If I want to go to the beach, I can do that. I'm not like afraid anymore. I'm not afraid of going to a different location without like my food scale and, and food, only the foods that I can track. Right. Um, and so I, uh, I, I'm happy that you were able to kind of like maneuver through that and then find like your way of like doing bodybuilding, what works for you right now. Cause like, I think everyone finds their way of like what works for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why like arch, I saw Sarah post this, um, Sarah Ford, is that her last name? Is it Ford or Bishop? Is it Bishop Ford? Ford Bishop. Sarah. I always call her Sarah Ford Bishop. Cause I don't know. So I'm just, I'm just doing, I'm just, this. I'm just checking them all off. She explained this and I forgot. So sorry, Sarah Bishop Ford. Um, <laughs> but like my choices don't shame your choice. Um, and that's something that I had to learn as well. Like as I worked through some of the restrictions I was starting to feel for myself, is that like, it's okay if other people do things the way that they want to do them, because I would literally get so upset with people if they did it a different way. I'd be like, why do you do it that way? Like, you can't do it that way. It's not the right way. And now I'm just like, oh, if that works for you, go ahead. Because I don't want people to tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. I don't want people to tell me like, Hey, you can't do it that way. Um, leave me the fuck alone. I do it the way I want and I look better. So whatever, like, you know, no, a hundred percent, a hundred (laughs) percent. Like there are, there are definitely like, that's something that we talked about on our last podcast where like, there's a difference between like suboptimal and optimal, but like there, you can do multiple routes to get to the same answer. Some might be better than others, 
So, but it's also, you know, stepwise as well. Like you have to meet yourself where you're at, but you better believe that like when we first started with like our first coach, like there's no way we could be doing back then what Mark is having us do now. We were not mentally there. There was no way in hell. It would have been overwhelming. We would have probably quit and not bodybuilding. Yeah. I mean, like, cause the way, cause the way that we saw bodybuilding back then was different. So it would have been like, no, this isn't right. This isn't how you do it. This isn't okay. Like, and, um, I remember someone like a, like a long time ago told me that I was going to go when I grew out of my first coach, I was going to go be with Mark. And I was like, I was like, I don't even know that man. Like, and it was so crazy how it happened too. I didn't even know him. And I started following him and I started becoming obsessed with his posts. And I was like, oh, like, I feel like this would work for me. And then I told the person that told me that. And he was like, that's the guy I was telling you about. And I was like, I was like, oh, like, (laughs) so like, um, people kind of see where your levels are going to go. I think they see where you're about to project, um, especially if they're really into the sport. So like, take those, like, I would say, take those comments to consideration. Even if you like, aren't open-minded at one time, you might be later. Like you might like find something that you think will work for you better later. And it's cool to change. Like, I remember when I started feeling bad for being on a meal plan, I started like not wanting to tell people that I was only eating clean foods because of the way that I was like, just like obsessed with calories and only being like on macros and things like that. And I did not want to tell people. Um, And then at one point I was like, you know what, I'm going to own it and say, it's okay to be wrong. And it's okay well, it's, it's okay to have a different mindset and then change because at that time, that's what worked for me. And now at this time, this is what works for me. And it will change after it will change years from now to be okay. Um, and you'll, and the point is to learn and the point is to like really learn about yourself and really learn about like what works best for you. Um, and so like when you're telling me that you were tracking at like 16, Oh my goodness. Like I didn't start, I tried to track when I was in my twenties, Yeah, like twenties, but I was pretty advanced in training by then. Like I was, I was so focused on understanding training that I really honestly didn't have room to worry about nutrition. Mm -hmm. I was so like into training. Um, and so like, I remember when I first started tracking, uh, and I did it the first day, like successfully, I was like, oh, I was like, this is, this is kind of easy. Like, this is like, I could, I can fit a lot of things in. And, and that's when the gear started turning. Like, that's when it started like being a, an obsession because yeah, yeah. I realized, oh, I can make all the, I think in the first like two days, I lost like five pounds of water weight. And I was like, oh, I was like, <laughs> you know, God bless and, that water weight and those big poops, man. Those, I know. Those make the oh, world go yeah. Round. <laughs> I was like, wow, I feel like, and then I started really like spiraling after that. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like my, one of my friends at the time, uh, we were really close. She had really bad, uh, eating disorder. So every, all of the, the characteristics that I was developing from seeing her, she was affirming them. So she was like, yeah, like, that's fine. Do it that way. Oh, just cut your food. Oh, just don't track that. Blah, blah, blah. Like it was, uh, and I, so I'd be like, oh, okay, that's what I do. And, um, eventually our friend, like we had to, I had to let her go as a friend because I started seeing myself spiral out of control the way she was. Um, and I didn't want to develop some of the, the things that she was going through. Cause I was like, 
I was supporting her through like binge eating. I was supporting her through um, bulimia. I was like, support, and it became emotionally like I didn't want to like, like I was, I would see her like on the, you know, I would see her packing on the toilet and I'm like, I can't do that. Like, I don't, I don't want that because it was so emotionally like hurtful, like to see, you know, I cared about her, but I had to let her go as a friend um, because I didn't want that to happen to me. So. Dude, shit's hard. Like, especially like when you're anorexic and you're deep into it and you're like cold, like a big reason why I don't like Ohio is because I could not tolerate the winters because I was so fucking cold all the time. Like I had hairs growing on my stomach, on my boobs, like just to keep my fucking body warm. Like my, like my body tried to compensate and grew hair everywhere. And it wasn't like man hair, but it was like the fine little baby hairs. Bodies do that? I didn't know that. No, you can look it up. It's something that um, babies actually develop and then lose. I believe they have these like white fine hairs. You can look it up and it's, (laughs) it's common in anorexia where it's like, you have these little, little hairs everywhere. Um, oh my gosh that's crazy I didn't know bodies did that I thought we were just I thought I was just hairy I'm just no, no I <laughs> I am a pretty hairy person though but I no, didn't know body bodies did that I didn't yeah so my body was <laughs> my body was like you won't you won't want to insulate with fat fine we'll make you look like a fucking yeti so it was like I even remember I was like babysitting the one time I babysit it um because I don't like kids but I did babysit one time the kid and I was like deep into my anorexia the kid was like why are your arms so hairy and I was like shit bullshit like shut the fuck up shut the fuck up (laughs) no but yeah you're like you're cold all the time your hair sucks yeah Yeah, your hair does get brittle Um, oh it's so bad and plus I was a blonde too and I washed my hair every day because I didn't know you weren't supposed to do that so I just my hair looked like straw Mm -hmm. like it was nasty yeah it it gets bad I mean just being the the only way I know is because I've been in a contest prep really. Um, but I can only imagine like having an eating disorder, like extreme anorexia or any other, and you see like your body kind of start falling apart. Um, and it's like chronic and it's like, well, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Um, I can only imagine. Cause it's like, we can say that we can relate to it all we want. And I, this is where I, I don't, I don't like competitors that put eating disorders in the same category as contest prep. Um, just because you're small and you're not eating as much doesn't mean that you understand what people with diagnosed eating disorders are going through. You do not like, you do not. That's why I said like my form of like restriction was not the way that Ashley's was. Um, and so like, stop fucking doing that. Like you, you are in, in a contest prep, you're structured, um, you're regimented, you're doing a lot of cardio, but you chose that, like you're choosing that and you know that there's an end for these people. It's almost like they're not like, they don't really feel like they have a choice. Um, and, and there is no end for them. It's like, Oh, I, I guess I'm going to be like this for the rest of my life. Cause I literally don't know how to stop and I don't know where to go for help. Um, and so that is where they're at. And that is very different. So imagine like the, the worst part you feel in, in contest prep, like imagine it. Okay. So think about it. It hurts. It sucks. Like you are cold, you can't sleep well, you're hungry all the time and you can't do anything about it. Like you're not going to go cheat on your diet. Okay. So you're, you can't do anything about it. Um, and so you feel like you're trapped. Imagine that lowest point of your prep, um, 
all the time and you can't get out of it and you don't really have food to eat like you have plenty of food to eat to be honest with you but you're just you're you're doing a lot of cardio you're training really hard and things like that these people do not have that option um and so you can't say like oh i'm in an eating disorder or i'm in a structured eating disorder i am in a contest prep and therefore i know what that feels like like no you don't no you don't um and so just remember that like these people are separate from you. Yep. Um, and if you have grown out of or gotten help out of your eating disorder and you are now a competitor, I would, I would suggest like you have a, you have a different identity now. And so like, if you're going to help other people, remember that that past self of yours is, is in the past and to bring it up is only to be helpful to others. Um, and to help other people go get through like what they're feeling. So yeah, like the, I, I just, it really hurts my heart when I hear competitors say that because it's like so ignorant, yep. it's just so ignorant um, because you don't know how that feels. Uh, I, I could only imagine, especially like I, I find and I, I think that people that have eating disorders very early in life, like teens, they grow up so fast um, because they can't and won't enjoy themselves. They will not enjoy them like the prom and like, you know, the, the getting into college and having the college experience without like feeling like they need to punish themselves afterward doesn't exist. It's like, you know, even the memories of it, you're thinking about the fact that you remember you were thinking about food the whole time, right? Like you're probably, yeah, exactly. So it's like, I totally feel you. Um, and so, yeah, like I had my college experience and then I got into bodybuilding. Yeah. So I, it it was different for me, you know, a hundred percent. I'm glad you touched on what you touched on in the beginning, because like, you know, the lowest I ever got down to on my own when I was anorexic was 125. And again, I'm five foot seven, but in prep, the lowest I got down to like literally the lowest weight was 111. But I don't even compare my prep to anorexia because prep was a breeze if you compare it to my anorexia because I knew there was an end goal. It was a happy end goal in terms of like what I wanted to do. There was light at the end of the tunnel. I knew I would go into an off season, you know, whatever. But with anorexia, you're right. Like there is no light. It is just darkness. Like how you're saying you felt hollow. Yeah. Um, Like, I don't think you really feel hollow when you're in prep. At least I don't. Um, at least I didn't, I felt like I was still pushing towards something. At least you have something that you're like, you're doing this for, mm-hmm. um, it sucks. Like at a certain point, but really like contest prep is supposed to be enjoyable because you're like, kind of you're, you're shedding yourself and then you see yourself and you're getting on stage and presenting it. It's an exciting time. Um, but when you're dealing with eating disorder, nothing is exciting and nothing serves purpose. There's no reason like, and so it's kind of like, you're just living and you're like, I guess I'm just here, not really too sure what to do. Um, and so at least when you're in contest prep, you have support, like you have support from people that are like, yeah, keep going. Yeah. Get on that cardio machine. Yeah. Like you got your coach that sees your check-ins and they're praising you. They're praising you for this weight loss. Um, they're praising you for getting leaner. Whereas in your, if you're dealing with an eating disorder or living with one, it's, it's quite the opposite. It's quite the opposite. It's like, yeah, you might have people that are like, wow, you've lost so much weight, but then you also have people that know there's a problem. They're like, Hey, like 
what's going on? Are you okay? You know? And so, and you're also battling yourself. You're also like telling yourself, like, I know there's a problem. Um, And so that's probably a lot to handle and a lot to get through as well. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. Really how I sum up eating disorders versus contest rep. When you're in contest prep, you're living your life. Like you're choosing this. You were, you were getting to live your life. It might be restricted, but you've chosen this. But when you are dealing with an eating disorder, you're not living your life. You're watching your life being lived. Like you are watching it. You're not in it. It's terrible. Um, and I really appreciate, um, Britt, you letting me kind of tell my story. And also I appreciate you kind of telling others your story. Cause even though maybe you didn't experience like full fledged eating disorder, you still had some type of disordered eating pattern that I don't think should be downplayed. Like, I don't think it should be, oh, well, you either had an eating disorder or you didn't like, this isn't like about bragging rights. It's just about sharing your experience. And I really appreciate you sharing your experience. Cause it's really, it's nice to know that like, not everyone's necessarily going to suffer how, how hard I did, but it's also good to know that like, there's kind of a spectrum of, of healing that mm-hmm. even though like, you know, you experienced some form of sort of eating and you didn't get nearly as bad, but you were still able to heal from it too. Yeah. And, and it, it takes like really understanding that there's a problem. Yep. Um, and, and I think you'll know when there's a problem, when it starts affecting your relationships. Um, because I, that's how it worked for me. Um, I started really seeing like, I was, I was always isolated. Um, I would, I could not really show affection or love. I couldn't, I just couldn't do it because, you know, hormones are fucked up. Like your mental state's messed up. It's really hard to show people love when you don't love yourself. Um, and so when it starts, when you start being alone, not because you're choosing to, but because our people are leaving you alone, that's when it's like, okay, I think there's a really big problem Um, because there are, you are human there. And there are going to be times where you're like, I want, I just want someone there. I want someone to talk to. And then they're like, not there anymore. And it's like, Hmm, did I fuck that up? Like, and then you start looking at yourself saying, Hey, like, I think I might need to like kind of fix some things. Um, and so like I even, you know, I think one of the biggest reasons that I got with Mark was because he would provide a meal plan because I was so food focused that I did not want to track anymore. And I was yeah. like, Hey, like, can you just, he asked me, do you, I know that you're experienced in tracking. Do you want that? Or do you want me to make a meal plan? And I still like, if he wanted me to be on a meal plan, I would, I make my own now, but like, <clears throat> like, you know, knowing where your triggers are, uh, if your trigger is the fact that you're tracking food, then you need to, to eliminate it. Like, and so that's, that's what I did. I mean, so it was hard. Um, but at least like it gave me the freeing, like I felt free in my head and I had more room in my head and more time in my day, um, to not think about like what I was going to eat that day and what I'm going to, what am I going to track and what am I, what can I fit in? Um, so now, now I, I don't need him. And now I'm like, fine. Like, Cup like uh, on Valentine's day, I had a random piece of candy and I was like, oh, cool. I just had that random piece of candy and I didn't even track it. And then later on I thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, I had a piece of candy. And so I thought in my head, like, I'm going to pull back on this, but I didn't have to like, I didn't have to like neurotically like track it. And mm-hmm. that is a big win for me. And I thought about it too. And I was like, oh, I didn't have to like, I I didn't freak out. Like when I had that random piece of candy, I just really wanted that random piece of candy because I got a box of chocolates. Um, And so that's living like a a kind of a carefree or freeing life Mm -hmm. um, is when little things don't, don't bother you as much anymore. Um, 
And so I'm still making progress, right? Like I'm still trying to move forward. And it's always, so I also want to leave with this is that like, it never really goes away. Right. Um, and so even when you're healing or you're in recovery, like it never really goes away and it's okay. Um, but it's just about, again, like your mindset and how you move through your life, like without having to restrict who you are. Cause it's like being in an eating disorder restricts who your personality is and what you are. Um, and that's what you don't want to happen. So yeah, it's a hundred percent normal because your brain remembers trauma. It's very rare. There's very rare instances where your brain will just not remember a trauma. Like it will suppress it so far deep that you won't remember things like that's a thing, but mm-hmm. like your brain remembers your trauma more it, than it remembers ple- like pleasant experience. Yeah. Which is kind of unfortunate, but also it's a safety mechanism. So you just have to understand and acknowledge that you're having a moment, but then understand that like you can work through it, which is why I'm not a huge fan of avoiding triggers completely. I do think you need to work through them, but like Brit did Brit worked through it. And now like, she's free of that. So like, it's just a temporary thing that, you know, avoid it temporarily, but then address it. So therefore you are not hindered in living your life. Mm -hmm. Um, but we appreciate you guys for listening and tuning in. Um, let us know if you guys like want to talk further, because I know this is kind of like a hard topic and, Britt and I are here to talk. DMs are open. Slide in. <laughs> Slide in the DMs. That's right. Uh, next week, we have a very special guest. We're super excited to have her on. So we'll, we're not going to let you guys know who, but um, we're excited. But you guys have a great rest of your week and we'll talk to you next time. Peace.